Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and I'm joined this week by Dr. Benjamin Smith, lecturer in philosophy for Catholic Studies Academy. And today, the topic we're going to discuss is understanding and confusion. So we live in a society that's just... It's filled with, you know, fake news or alternative facts, and there's just so much confusion out there, and uh, ourselves on this end, on the receiving end of news, you know, we're trying to uh, maybe uh, um, navigate this minefield of, of what is true, what is false, and there's just so much confusion out there. Uh, and so I want to bring in Dr. Smith to to maybe uh, bring in his expertise of the of particularly the ancient philosophers. Uh, to to see, did they leave us any tools uh, that can help us overcome confusion and how things really are? So, Dr. Smith, maybe to get us started, you know, what did the ancients say? How do we overcome confusion and how do we lead our minds uh, to understanding? Uh, thank you, Jason. That's a great question. Um, oftentimes, I think people don't uh, recognize uh, how much uh, Plato and Aristotle in particular have to say on this point uh, that's relative that's because uh, I think sometimes they don't realize that that Plato and and really before him Plato and uh, Socrates was really working in a period of cultural confusion and transition uh, within his own time. We've talked about this a little bit before, but mm-hmm. um, Athens was transitioning to a democracy, uh, and uh, sort of the kind of used to be called the cultural elites of the time uh, were really uh, the sophists uh, who specialized in rhetoric, persuasive speech, and really promoted a form of relativism and uh, really sowing confusion, um, uh, manipulating people's passions, those sorts of things uh, is what the the sophists specialized in. A lot of Plato's work grew up in trying to overcome that. Uh, And one of the things he did that was, I think, really useful uh, for anyone is to focus our attention on the idea of judgment. so, you know, we're told, of course, you know, you shouldn't be judgmental, right? That, uh, you know, don't be judgy. You're judging me or something like that uh, all the time, uh, which, to be frank, sounds a little infantile. But the um, uh, 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 judgment in, in the sort of philosophical sense uh, really just means any strong or uh, definite, maybe I should say, any definite affirmation or denial, right? So when I say, uh, God exists, or Jesus is Lord, or when I say, um, you know, uh, that America is my country, or anything like that, mm-hmm. those are just judgments in the philosophical sense. They're affirmations, right? When I say Marxism is not true, uh, then I'm making a negative judgment, right? Uh, in logic class, we call these categorical propositions. Um, but really, you know, in an odd sort of way, this might sound a little excessive, but this is really where the drama of the intellectual life occurs. Mm-hmm. When we take a stand uh, towards the world and affirm or deny that it's this way or it's not that way. Um, and, and so uh, Plato focuses our attention really on the the importance of judgment. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, you're so correct in, in bringing up the, 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 the relationship between those two things of judgment and understanding. You know, it's like driving down a road and, and sure. you know, you have to make certain judgments. You know, it's ridiculous for our world to say, well, we shouldn't be judgy. No, no, you should make judgments. Like driving right. down the road, you need to make sure. judgments. Do I stop? Do I go? Do I do I get out of the way of this crazy driver? I mean, there's there's there, there's judgments that we always have to make. Yeah, I mean, judgments about like where, like, is this a good college to go to? Is this a good person to marry? 
you know, should I get married at all? All those sorts of things, right? The idea that we shouldn't be judgmental about these things, especially those things that are most important. You know, right. like you said, does God exist? Well, we should come to some sort of judgment uh, to that because it's either the most important thing, you know, or it's the least important thing. Um, and so it's important for us to 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 uh, work with those judgments. But but it seems though that sometimes we live in a um, in a world where we make judgments and then seek to understand, um, uh, you know, <laughs> or yeah. we, we make emotional judgments uh, without necessarily understanding them. Um, so sure. how do we come then to, to understand first uh, mm -hmm. uh, and then base our judgments maybe more on an understanding as opposed to emotions or some other uh, reaction? Yeah, 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 I got you. Uh, so, um, yeah, we can, uh, before I, uh, I address that, I just want to give one other example here that came to mind as you were talking is the creed, right, is full of judgments, right? I mean, yeah. uh, judgments in terms of affirmations. It's a, a whole long list of things we affirm uh, to be real yeah. <laughs> right? and to be true. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you're quite right, Jason. One can judge well or poorly. Yeah. Uh, and so judgment is really unavoidable. We all make judgments all the time, either implicitly or explicitly. Uh, and since we do make judgments, and since those judgments do affect uh, our choices, our relationships, and our feelings, uh, it's important uh, that we judge well. And uh, Plato uh, sort of instructed us on this, I think, uh, or at least sort of got us going in the right direction. And he talked about the idea that judgment without understanding is pliable, it's weak, um, it's soft, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't really give us guidance or sort of a firm foundation what we really want is judgment with understanding uh described uh that kind of judgment uh as stable right staying in place right having a certain firmness to it um the uh, uh judgment without understanding he describes as being like uh, the statues of daedalus that is that they're, they're beliefs that sort of wander around on their own right and could yeah. just sort of go off and and so forth and i think a great deal of the kind of, I mean, you see this in, in Christians all the time, unfortunately, you know, their, their judgments aren't combined with understanding. Uh, they haven't done enough intellectual work. They haven't done enough prayer work. And, and so what happens very often is their beliefs just kind of wander with their, their feelings, their circumstances, uh, or, uh, you know, sort of popular opinion. Um, so really what you want to do is combine judgment with understanding. And Plato gives us two very concrete ways of talking about that. Um, the, uh, the ability to answer the question why and the question what, right? Why and what, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. So when you're, when you're, when you're dealing with um, uh, a belief, right, uh, I affirm the existence of God, or I think a given uh, policy is just or unjust, right? I shouldn't be able to say why that is so, <laughs> okay? Right. So if I say, you know, uh, um, you know, we we should uh, uh, we should not uh, build a wall on the border, or we should build the wall, whatever side you stand on that, um, you should be able to explain why that's the case, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Uh, and 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 develop a basically an argument. An argument is not just insisting loudly. Uh, right. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, an argument is uh, accumulating, uh, marshalling sort of evidence um, and ideas 
to support right your thesis or your judgment. Mm -hmm. So the first thing here is to be able to answer the question why, but inevitably that's going to back up onto the question what. Mm -hmm. uh, the question what is it? Um, and Plato's so instructive uh, in, in demonstrating this. You know, if we're having an argument about you know border or immigration policy, then I say a certain policy is just and I give you an argument for why it's the case, eventually we're going to push back if we're being consistent uh, and rigorous. We're going to push back to the question, what is justice? Yeah, uh, Peter Kraft has a, uh, in one of his books, he has an interesting kind of uh, uh, analogy, or I think it's I think it's like a Chinese story or something like that that he brings in one of his books. And he says there's uh, there, there are these three people walking on a wall. Uh, the first one is facts, and right behind him is belief. And right behind that person is emotions. And he says that all these three, they're walking on a wall and they're trying to stay on the wall. But as soon as belief uh, turns its head from following fact to behind it, to following emotions, <laughs> they fall off the wall. That's right. <laughs> you know, I think that's, I think that's a great story to kind of illustrate, you know, kind of what we're trying to, what we're trying to get at here that, yeah. that, uh, we must look at what what a thing is in order to understand the why instead of you know falling into identity politics or things like that of just you know the loudest person wins or whoever controls the narrative wins uh, but to really try to base our judgments on understanding and i think it's a christian's duty you know with you know uh, kind of the virtue of integrity uh that if they if they do come to a judgment, you know that they do that they should have a good reason why they're coming to that judgment, or at least the humility to say, "Look, I'm making this judgment on pure emotion," you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is not always the you know not always uh, wrong to do, um, but it's a, but but it, it, it's humble enough. For, we need to be humble enough to uh, to at least acknowledge that, but also to to seek that understanding uh, in that way. We need to exercise evidential intelligence. Right. right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's important to know uh, the relative strength of our uh, of our judgments. And, you know, we should we should, I think, uh, to the degree possible. Yeah, uh, we should try to make our judgments as intelligent as possible, which is really rooted in adding judgment to understanding, combining judgment, and understanding. And that that requires us to think clearly uh, about why and what. Um, um, so I think yeah, you know you're right. It's, it's it's important to to recognize the the status of our judgment, right? Look at the grounds of our judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, but insofar as I say as I say as, as it's possible, we should uh, seek to to give that a stronger foundation by combining with understanding. So the why and the what, these are the two foundational questions that uh, Plato's looking at when he's looking at understanding. That's right. Yeah. In my, in my philosophy classes, uh, you know, this is a, the question I come back to uh, uh, these two questions on a regular basis. I tell my students, if you don't, if you can remember just this, right, <laughs> then I will, I will be pleased to consistently ask the questions why and what. Of course, uh, Aristotle, uh, who's Plato's uh, great student and also uh, someone who who didn't feel beholden to agree with everything that Plato had to say, right. uh, 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 expanded on his uh, master's uh, insights here, um, and uh, and this is you know uh, how he developed um, in doing this he developed his famous doctrine of the four causes, uh, which I think 
you know, it sounds a little uh, maybe uh, too abstract or uh, uh, something like that. But actually, uh, when you sort of become comfortable with thinking about the four causes, mm-hmm. it really helps us. And you can think about these as as ways of answering the question, why and what? Um, so uh, maybe we should just sort of walk through that, that uh, maybe an example of that. Yeah, and I think, I think before we get into the four causes, you know, it's important for us to understand, you know, uh, um, when, when we, you know, or after we, we kind of have an understanding of uh, uh, kind of Aristotle's development of the four causes, it, it, it really begins to give the mind something to grasp when it's looking at the why and the what of things, which is, sure. I, which I think is very important for the modern person, because many times uh, the modern person, because if they can't answer the why or what, the default posi- position becomes absolute skepticism. And so yeah. they, they, you know, and when this happens over and over and over, the modern person can just be skeptical of absolutely everything. Um, so, you know, for, for the Christian, you know, it's important for them to, A, not fall into skepticism themselves because they can't understand anything. But also, if you're talking to somebody, uh, uh, maybe, you know, think, okay, well, this person has probably come across many times when they can't uh, understand something, the why or the what of something. So they may be approaching this conversation and the topic we're talking about from uh, skepticism. So how, sure. you know, I yeah. think that's a, an important thing to, to, to begin with as we go through to, uh, to look to see, you know, this can really dispel some of our, our, our skeptical tendencies, especially today. Yeah. I think, I think you're right about that. I would say the other alternative uh, uh, is, um, you know, you're talking about sort of skepticism where you maybe suspend judgments because you lack understanding. Yeah. I think the other uh, thing is, uh, passionate but ignorant commitment uh is another uh, alternative there right yeah, where true. you know like we're really confident without any really sufficient grounds right yeah, yeah. and uh, uh that's something else you can run into right so you know you feel really strongly i mean it's, especially the person who's you know sort of overly um sentimental or overly sensitive to their passions right um uh, you know, I can have a tendency to, to be uh, swayed in this way to come down to be, I'm really confident, but, uh, but it's just based on their sort of shifting emotions yeah, uh, <laughs> rather than genuine understanding. Right. Remember the three guys on the wall. Yep. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Uh, let's get into, uh, let's get into uh, the four causes. Okay. So the four causes, uh, I think it's easiest to illustrate with a, a really just sort of um, basic kind of homey example, and then we can maybe expand it out into more, uh, to, into less trivial things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, uh, I, Jason, am, am someone who, uh, is a great lover of, uh, books. Right. Uh, and as you know, I recently acquired a bookshelf that I was very pleased to acquire. <laughs> and, uh, uh, sadly though, the bookshelf is already filled. Yeah. So I'm back to almost square one. <laughs> Now, sometimes people react to the, when I say this, people react and say, well, maybe you have too many books. That's and ridiculous. I think, no, yes, sir, really, uh, it's not that I have too many books, it's that I have too little shelving. There you go. Uh, and so, right, let's imagine that I were, I were to just, just want to solve this problem by uh, building uh, um, uh, built-in uh, bookcases, right? Okay. This is a, a long-term aspiration. So um, uh, you could, I could go and buy the lumber. Right mm-hmm. at uh, uh, Home Depot, right? 
and and the, the that's necessary, right? Without that lumber, it's not going to be possible for me to book, build a bookshelf. Right. Not an expert carpenter, but you know, there you go, right? Uh, so uh, you need at least to have the lumber. Um, uh, that's what Aristotle would call the material cause, right? Okay. That's the the uh, when you think about the causes of the bookshelf, mm-hmm. right, coming to be. Um, that that's that's the matter. It's 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 sort of the ingredients from which something comes, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the materials. Uh, but let me ask you a question, Jason. If if I leave that lumber uh, sort of in my shed, not nicely stacked, and if I leave it there long enough, will it become a bookshelf on its own? <laughs> no, that would be awesome if it did, but no. I, try, right. I tried that the once. <laughs> I tried that yeah. once. I left a bunch of lumber and you know in my basement for a year, and nothing happened. I was so disappointed. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what what is needed? Uh, what, what's needed to to make to, to, to make that lumber that's potentially a bookshelf to actually be a bookshelf. Yeah, you need yeah. a couple of things. You need, uh, you know, obviously the uh, the person to make it. You okay. Need the yeah, person to have. You need the person to have some sort of uh, idea of what he is building. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, maybe a, like a blueprint or something. You know, or at yeah. least a good YouTube video, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So when the, when you're building something like that, uh, do you? Do you just sort of randomly put things together or you put them together uh, in a sort of like a structure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely a structure. Follow the instructions if you get one. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what we, I think it's a really fascinating idea that Aristotle has, which is that what makes a thing to actually be what it is, mm-hmm. is its structure, its order, right? Its organization. And this is what he calls uh, the form, right? Uh, form sometimes sounds mysterious to people, but... And, and maybe in some domains it is, but in most domains, most of the time, uh, form is fairly straight, straightforward, right? Yeah. It's it's bringing the structure to something that makes it to to actually be a definable something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, you know, if I if I were to um, if I was to to make take that lumber and and make it into sort of a um, a flat level. Uh, surface with four legs what would you call that uh, that would be a table that's right right and that's okay for holding books yeah. but it's not a bookshelf no. right a bookshelf uh, has a different structure right similarly like what distinguishes a lectern right uh, or a bookshelf or a table right mm-hmm. what really distinguishes them is they have different structures they might have the same quantity of wood interestingly right right uh, and this is one of the things i think actually that that we fall down on in our kind of simplistic modern thinking often is we want to reduce things to just their ingredients, right? right? But, but the ingredients of the of thing, the uh, list of its components, really doesn't tell you fully. It tells you something for sure, sure. right? But it doesn't tell you really uh, enough uh, about what the thing is, the, the being and the reality of the thing. Uh, and so when we really want to talk about uh, the reality of the thing, we need to talk about its structure. Now, this uh, can be applied to a wide variety of examples, everything from taking a jumbled pile of letters and, and putting them in a certain order turns them into words and sentences. Um, uh, similarly, certain uh, the uh, the order of certain kinds of relationships is what creates a family. Um, uh, it, wherever we turn, actually, we can apply that that kind of principle, where the structure of the thing, uh, combined with the matter, tells us uh, what something is. And for Aristotle, you know, the the form, in fact, is more causal uh, than than the matter. And and we can understand this as Catholics as well with when we look at the sacraments. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and we're, we're, you know, usually as Catholics, we're familiar with that language, matter and form. Uh, sure. uh, so it has the the stuff, you know, so for example, baptism, you know, you have the water, which, you know, the pouring of the water, you know, well, that does, you know, kind of like, that's like leaving, if you just poured water, that's like leaving the wood in the woodshed, you know, <laughs> it doesn't do anything, you know, maybe gives them a bath, you know, right. uh, when it's combined with that, with that form, which is the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, it, it directs that water and it, and it, like you said, it structure, yeah. it gives structure to that water. Sure. Uh, uh, to accomplish something. Yeah, pouring um, the water is, it would just be kind of a material cause there, right? I mean, and, and you could say, uh, or or I think it could be a material and a formal cause, but what you would have sure. there is, uh, like you said, bathing, not baptism, right? <laughs> uh, and, and they may look superficially the same, <laughs> but uh, they're not the same thing, right? They're uh, actually uh, quite, quite different. Yes, very different, accomplish two different things. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So in addition to the form, we need uh, uh, we need matter and form uh, in order to understand uh, the uh, what it is. So that, that that, you know, sort of think about the questions, what it is and why is it we need to have reference to both matter and form when we're answering those questions. Right. Um, but then uh, in addition to to uh, to the matter and form, we also need the efficient cause. And that's the one that you immediately uh, uh, identified. Right. Which is the builder. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the builder, while he is building, is the efficient cause of uh, the bookshelf. Uh, he's bringing, uh, to, to put it kind of simply, he's bringing the form to the matter. Right. Uh, or as I put it sometimes, he's imposing uh, the form on the matter. Um, the form doesn't just pop into existence, sure, right, sure, we're talking sure. about, unfortunately, right? Uh, so there had, needs to be a cause that actualizes uh, that form in the matter. So we can ask, you know, basically, who did it, right? Right. Uh, why did it happen? This is like the, the happening type question, um, uh, you know, um, and, and it's very uh, in, important. You know, like what brought it about? What's the what's the immediate occasion that brought the form uh, into being? Um, and then finally, uh, and, and and most importantly, uh, is what Aristotle calls the, the final cause. Uh, and this is the 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 cause, uh, as Thomas says, the cause of all causes. Actually, yeah. uh, he thinks of it as um, the um, it's the why question in its fullness. So it's what was the good of it? What was the purpose of it? Or sometimes my point is, my students put it like, what was the point? Right? right. What was to be achieved? And you know, I mean, if I was just uh, you know, uh, in my example, pretty clearly, the final cause is. Um, organizing and storing my books in a safe, organized, and accessible way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, that's why I built the thing, right? If I built it and I never put any books on it, that would be kind of odd, right? You'd yeah, be like, yeah, yeah. like, why did you build that, right? Um, or if I just continuously built bookshelves and you're like, you're like, why, why are you building all these bookshelves, right? And you're like, are you going to sell them? And I was like, no. Yeah. And he was like, you're going to put books on them? No. Nah. Yeah. Do you really just enjoy building? No. You'd be like, are you okay? Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, right? We would call that a compulsion, right? Um, the action change processes coming to be uh, presupposes a point, a purpose, right? So when we come to a change, to an event, to a process, we can ask four questions that really help produce understanding, mm-hmm. right? What are the components, right? That's the material cause. What is it okay. made of? What is the relevant structure? Um, 
who can bring it about and for what good, right? That gives us, I think, four clear questions to ask. And in trying to answer those questions, that's, that is a solid and clear path uh, for developing uh, understanding. Yeah, and I think especially when you when you're talking about especially the final cause, like Thomas says, the cause of all causes. Right. You begin with the final cause. Um, That's what do, right. You know, what do I need? And and it's from it's from that final cause that you okay. I go buy the lumber. I get a design yes. and I build the dang thing. Um, that's how, know, yeah, that's how the whole process got started in the first place, right? Right, and I think that's that's where you know, and it would be weird if you know you you book you you built a table to use as a bookshelf, or you built a bed to use as uh, a book. You know, well, this is just going to house my books, and you just stacked all your books on a bed. You, you sure. would be like, "Are you all right? Like this is, is kind of weird." You know, how about you build a bookshelf? You know, uh, and and so there's it's also one of those things. You know, um, when you begin with the final cause, you 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 uh the, the the pieces have to fit together when you and sure. i think this is when we when we come to to that understanding uh and yeah. so you can kind of you know go backwards okay so your final cause you know is you know to bring about a more just society or something like that you know well then you get into all the components of that and sure. in, in the end you know it's it's also that the the final cause is also uh it's you know first in operation but it's also there is a finality to it where, you know, like your bookshelf, right. there, there comes a point where you actually put books on it and you're like, yes, right. uh, it has sure. fulfilled yeah. its purpose, you know? Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think that's right. And you know, what you could say too here, uh, and this is, I think what you're getting at Jason is the connection of the final cause to both the formal cause and the efficient cause, right? Yeah. That is, that is really, this sounds odd at first, but both the efficient cause and the formal cause are really subordinate to the final cause. Mm -hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean that they're unimportant by any stretch, uh, but it does mean that they're subordinate. So you think about, um, as you pointed out, like you don't start building and unless you already have that final cause, right? right? Uh, you don't go to the Home Depot in the first place um, uh, unless you already have that final cause. So the, um, uh, the way Thomas explains, explains this, he says that the final cause is first in intention, but yeah. last execution. And I think that's a really uh, helpful way to think about it. We have it in our minds first, and and then we bring it into being. Um, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, but one thing that that the, this is worth remembering if you ever read or explore Thomas's fifth argument for the existence of God mm -hmm. uh, is that efficient causes and formal causes subordinate to final causes. Uh, in addition to that, the formal cause is also subordinate. Uh, so, uh, what do I mean by that? You know, the structure. You know, it's not just arbitrary that most roofs on houses are built uh, uh, um, as a combination of inclined planes, right? <laughs> why, why are most roofs uh, peaked, Jason? Right, rain, precipitation. That's right, right, exactly. <laughs> That's, right. That's right, so that they can effectively shed water. Um, so, you know, when you think about it, uh, that structure, right, follows the form. And there's a good architectural principle here that we can uh, use, which is that form follows function. Yeah. Uh, or we might say, you know, form follows final cause. Um, that is the structure of a thing makes sense and it's ex explainable in terms of the purpose for which it was built. And I think, again, as Catholics, we can we can understand this uh, uh, or, you know, to, to maybe come to greater understanding uh, to why these are important uh, mm -hmm. is to go back to the sacraments, you know. 
yeah. especially with you know like the sacrament of confirmation there's right, a you know sure. great and, and again remember we're talking about confusion and understanding well you know, <laughs> right. the sacrament of confirmation is a great example um and many times you know especially with like the age or something like that you would have uh, um people say well it should be this age because of um you know this or that reason um right. whereas if we if we look at you know what is the final what is the the legitimate final cause right. uh, of confirmation uh, sure. um you know uh, the fulfillment of the the baptismal graces you know all of these things that's I thought it was catholic graduation oh yeah 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 that's right you're <laughs> right you're right i'm sorry about that yeah exactly well well no no and that's the point is you know where where misunderstanding and i think confusion comes in is when we take maybe even maybe it's even a good but it's a lesser good sure and right, we, right. we substitute it for the final cause. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and then that, that disrupts the whole thing. And it leads, again, to, to greater misunderstanding, greater confusion and things like that. So, uh, again, like you said, uh, we, it, the, the final cause, it's you know, there first in our intention. Um, but mm-hmm. then it also comes, there, there, there's a fulfillment to it. Yeah. And, and you know, with that, it, I think it, for most Catholics, you know, when you look at confirmation in that way, you can see where, where maybe some confusion has crept in and sure. where many of those things have come in. It's because we have that we have a misunderstanding of uh, maybe even the sacraments in general. What, did it, right. what, it is their, what it is that they actually do. What is their yep. final cause? Communion with God. Uh, yep. um, Oh, I gave it away, you know, so. Uh, <laughs> that's but, right. Though, but, you know, that's why our catechetical tradition and even uh, various Protestant catechetical traditions begin with the really the final cause. You know, like what is the, what is the chief end of man or what is the ultimate end of man? Or yeah. Why did God create me? Th- those sorts of things, right? Another example you can look at is just, you know, the human person. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the human person has no natural end, yeah. uh, well, you know, everything else is up for grabs. You know, so right. this, which you know is a good you know uh, a qu- quick description of our of our modern culture. Of our culture, you know, one of the uh, uh, one of the uh, sort of uh, um, kind of never failing fonts of confusion uh, in modern culture is uh, at the level of institutional development or committee meetings. Oh gosh, um, you know, <laughs> right. yeah, where and you I'm, take where you take minutes and lose hours. Right? That's, that's right. <laughs> Beautifully said. Um, so the uh, you know uh, our lives because our lives are, are uh, unfortunately so institutional. Um, you know they're full of committee meetings. For some somehow it was decided that the you know the effective way to run our institution is to have committee meetings constantly. But anyways, uh, the uh, one of the things I'm sure you've experienced this, and I won't ask you to illustrate it, but uh, you know that those things are just you know um, ideal breeding grounds for confusion and. Every time I've been involved in one, I, I will sit back for a little while mm-hmm. and I'll listen and people will come up with, will say all sorts of things, none of which really advance the the project because nobody's talking about the purpose, right? Until right. you get that final cause down, it, this, the, the components don't matter. The structure yeah. doesn't matter. The efficient cause, like who's going to do it? It doesn't matter, right? <laughs> you can't answer any of those questions until you've asked yourself, what is the purpose for which we're going to act? Um, and, you know, it's just so difficult to get people to to do that. I mean, it's obvious once you say it, right? Once you have a purpose, then you can think, oh, well, this is, I, I need to have these components. Right. I need to get this structure, and this is who can bring it about. 
so that that's just I think a very clear way in which the the four causes are very practical. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe you could go through what are those what are those four questions again uh, that sure. can kind of uh, uh, yeah. That so we can really ask. the first one you would ask yourself is uh, uh, why why what's the good what what's is the, the good, good that I'm aiming for what's the purpose here what is my purpose. Um, once you add, once you add, answer that question, then you can ask the question, uh, well, what are the materials or the components that need to be brought mm-hmm. in? You know, if you're thinking about this in sort of like an institutional setting, you know, what, what departments are involved in this or right. what units are involved in this or what personnel or that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and then what organization, right. What structure was the relevant structure and then who can bring it about? <laughs> you know? The efficient cause. Yes. That's the efficient cause. Right. Yeah. So I think, you know, like, you know why what is the purpose what are, what are the components what's the structure the order and then finally uh who can bring it about the, the the whole thing is to avoid confusion and lead to uh clarity which should hopefully an understanding uh which can lead us to make judgments um sure. you know and, and again you sound know judgments, right yeah. right right sound judgments judgments based and i think you, you you said it you know even with that first one you know not just what is the, the, the end or the purpose, but what is, you know, you also bring in the question, you know, what is the good? Um, yeah. You know, that's a, that's a huge uh, thing also, <laughs> which sure. sadly we have to ask the question today, is it good? <laughs> you know, first, <laughs> right. yeah. is it good? Okay. What is it? You know, uh, I think uh, uh, just as an experiment, right. Just think about your own life in terms of these four causes. Right? <laughs> like, like just, you know, sort of get, get a journal or a piece of paper or something and sit there, you know, 15, 20 minutes and think, Okay, what is my purpose? Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, ultimately everybody's gonna hopefully gonna say immediately, my purpose is um, uh, God, right? Uh, Communion with God or the glory of God or something to that effect. But then you you think, okay, yeah, that's the purpose. But then like, what are the what are the sub purposes? Right? What are the components? Yeah, yeah, that advance that. So what are the other final causes? Our lives should be organized around really. The pursuit of various final causes, a hierarchy of final causes, and then I can think about what are the components, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's the order, and who's going to do it. Uh, a lot of who's going to do it, of course, is going to be me. But I also sometimes need the assistance of others, right, to 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 pull off certain purposes, right. Uh, very obviously, uh, it's something like marriage. Um, uh, that's the case, and of course, obviously, we also need uh, uh, God, right. We can't think that we're the the, the primary efficient cause here, right? God is the, you know, the first cause of every effect. So, uh, uh, you know, we always need to, to remember uh, to bring uh, God into the picture as well. Oh, that's very good. And I think that's a good philosophical understanding of the spiritual life. That's right. Uh, that's right. <laughs> most guys will probably like that analogy because it's very mechanical. <laughs> I do. Uh, it helps. Uh, uh, but very good. All right, Dr. Smith, thank you so much. I think that brings a lot of clarity to how do we make judgments? How do we base our judgments on sound understanding first? These four causes can help us to come to that understanding that that can lead to to greater understanding and to more sound judgment on what is good, what is true, what is beautiful. Uh, And so you've given us a lot to think about there. Now we need to go and we need to put it into practice and implement it. Uh, So thank you very much uh, for joining us today. And um, until next time, God bless. 